Now let us, as we continue to probe Calvin's doctrine of natural knowledge of God that Van Til cites extensively and follows, let's focus in now, not, not abstracting knowledge from original righteousness and holiness, but just focusing on the nature of knowledge that is given in the act of creating Adam as the image of God. How does knowledge of self and sensible objects in the world relate to knowledge of God? That is one way to frame the question. Calvin, at the beginning of his Institutes, famously uh, says, Almost the whole of our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom, consists in two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. But as these are connected by many ties, it is not easy to determine which of the two precedes and produces the other. For in the first place, no man can look at himself, but he must immediately turn to the contemplation of God in whom he lives and moves. Now, here's what I want you to see when you're talking just in terms of this creator-creature relation. That knowledge of self and knowledge of God... Knowledge of self and knowledge of God for Adam are coincident, are mutually and inseparably intertwined. In fact, the language uh, that introduces this section is the knowledge of God and ourselves mutually connected and the nature of that connection. So, knowledge of God and knowledge of self for Adam. Uh, I think I'm going to change my diagram here because it's too that that's a little too small. Adam, as created, remember Calvin tells us to go to Adam before the fall to get clarity on that. The point that um, that um, Calvin is making is that self knowledge, knowledge of self, and knowledge of God, so self-knowledge, knowledge of God, and I could add knowledge of sensible objects, knowledge of things outside of Adam, are mutually, here's the key, are mutually connected. If, if Bavink were to walk up to Calvin, he would say, what about organically connected? And Calvin said, by all means, let us use that. So mutually, I'm going to add just to update the language just a little bit, organically, inseparably connected to one another. Let me try it this way. There's a mutual, organic, inherent connection for Adam between knowledge of God and knowledge of self. That is as he is formed as the image of God. Mutually connected, organically related, given at the same time. Now, this formulation uh, pushes Van Til 
in his survey of Christian epistemology, page 99, to say that Calvin has really made an advance in the direction of a truly Christian theistic epistemology, a theory of knowledge. That knowledge is of what? There are basically three things. Knowledge of self, knowledge of sensible objects, and knowledge of God. And Van Til's assessment is that what Calvin has done here, uh, as we, and, and we're going to talk about this more, but this mutually connected, organically intertwined, um, coincident knowledge of God and self, this is a real advancement, Van Til says. It's a clarifying and reforming progression in the history of doctrine. Van Til says that Calvin does not have a secular conception of knowledge rooted in a generic conception of humanity. He doesn't have either. Rather, Van Til said that there is a distinctively reformed, or at that time, reformational, in contrast to Roman Catholic, conception of natural knowledge. Now, we have to appreciate this. When Van Til is talking about Calvin and the nature of this knowledge, Van Til is receiving the work of B.B. Warfield on Calvin's doctrine of the knowledge of God. You can find that in either the five or ten volume set, uh, Calvin and Calvinism, Warfield's work on Calvin's theory, uh, a theology of natural knowledge of God. And so, if you can remember from the previous module, just as Van Til followed A.A. A. Hodge in the doctrine of the Trinity as summarized in the Westminster Standards, so likewise Van Til is following B.B. Warfield and his reception of Calvin's theology of the natural knowledge of God at Old Princeton. Van Til is receiving Old Princeton's understanding and interpretation of Calvin's theology of natural revelation and the natural knowledge of God. And Warfield says this. Now, here's Warfield clarifying this mutual connection in Calvin. He says, the knowledge of God is given in the very same act by which we know self. So now let me add this. The very same cognitive act by which we know God, we know self, and vice versa. The mutual organic connection of knowledge of God and knowledge of self means that the knowledge of each are given in one and, and the same cognitive act. For when we know self, Warfield says, we must know it as it is, and this means co-knowledge with self on that which it is dependent. Here it is summed up. We know God in knowing self. Now, Warfield makes explicit Calvin's idea of the gifted character of the natural knowledge of God. No sooner is Adam formed from the dust of the earth, 27a, and the breath of life is breathed into his nostrils, 27b, 
then he knows God. Now, Van Til, this needs to be clear, Van Til affirms that creatures, Adam in the garden, could acquire additional knowledge of God through the use of reason, through investigation and inference. He's not denying that. Calvin's not denying that. The Reformed tradition does not deny that. But what the Reformed tradition says in addition to that is that the knowledge of God is a gift given along with created existence and given in the same mental act of knowing self or knowing sensible objects. Warfield is saying that, if you can imagine this, that no sooner is Adam conscious as coming from the dust of the earth, no sooner is he aware of himself and the sensible objects around him, no sooner does he know self and sensible objects than at the same time and in the same mental act, he knows the God who formed him from the dust of the earth. He knew God in original righteousness, original holiness, in original knowledge, and that expressed itself, that complex of, of characteristics of that image expressed itself in religious worship, natural fellowship, and obedience freed from sin. So Warfield says this, that we know God in knowing self, and that is a constant feature of God's revelation of himself in nature. It's welcomed before the fall in joy. It is suppressed after the fall in wickedness. Van Til often says that all people start with the knowledge of God. And I can remember, this is going to date me, but I can remember reading the classical apologetics volume by Lindsay, Gershner, and Sproul in the 80s. And I remember them saying that Van Til was being contradictory and unbiblical and unreformed when he said that all people start with the knowledge of God. And the argument was, how can you start with God if you have to start with your own consciousness and your own reason and see sensible objects all around you? How is it possible to start with God? Why would Van Til say something so outlandish and outrageous? Well, there's no confusion here. There is no lack of clarity here. Van Til is not contradicting himself if you are a Calvinist, if you hold to the census dietatus. If man is the proximate starting point, such a starting point includes knowledge of God as the ultimate starting point because the knowledge of self includes with it the knowledge of God and vice versa. And it's an ineradicable knowledge, indelibly stamped on the heart of every image bearer before and after the fall. And so, when we speak of that starting point, Van Til isn't being philosophically incoherent. He is saying, in a more terse way, that the knowledge of God and man are mutually, organically, inherently connected in the very same act of cognition. Knowledge of God includes knowledge of self and vice versa, so that 
wherever you start, whether with knowledge of self, knowledge of sensible objects, you know God in his revelation because those two things, knowledge of self, knowledge of God, are mutually intertwined, inseparably connected. Now, this concreated knowledge is universal, indelible, remains after the fall, though perverted by sin and the sinful response to it. But Van Til says this, quote, Calvin is insistent that man cannot exist and has never existed apart from a sense of deity. That's the survey of Christian epistemology, page 98. So man cannot exist and never existed. He's talking about what? Adam is the image of God, created in true knowledge, righteousness, and holiness as the image of God. He is speaking of Adam as the image of God, and he is saying that if you deny this, you have a secular conception of man. Warfield says that this, the implications that flow from this fact, that knowledge of God is universal and indelible, is the precondition of all religion. So our native endowment, Warfield says, is not merely a sensus dietatis, but also a semen religionis. For what we call religion is just the reaction of the human soul to what it perceives to be God. Now make a note as we prepare to transition and compare and contrast this conception of natural knowledge to what we have seen as an entailment of the traditional Roman Catholic view. But the ongoing presence of the census divinitatis after the fall, the enduring presence of concreated natural of revelation of God, um, two sinners in Adam, supplies the backdrop for the discussion in Romans 1, 18 through 20, as the locus classicus in Scripture that supports Calvin and Van Til's view. There, Paul speaks of the suppression of the truth of God that is made known in and to those who inescapably know God on the basis of natural revelation, and such suppression comes due to, A, the clarity and authority of that natural revelation, which we'll talk about in the next lecture, and the inability and hostility of the natural man to submit to worship and please God. Now, we've spent this much time helping you understand a few critical things. First, we are talking about the work of special revelation, uh, the work of natural revelation, um, in terms of the doctrine of special creation. We've distinguished it from the act of special providence and covenant that we'll talk about in the following lecture. But the key is this. Not only is righteousness and holiness gifted to Adam in his creation as the image of God, so also knowledge as the sensus divinitatis, none of which are present in Adam according to the traditional Roman Catholic view. And this moves the Reformed 
to insist on something that we're going to see is lacking in the traditional Roman Catholic view, that knowledge of God is natural, gifted, concreated, and yields the conclusion that you know God and self in the very same mental act or in the very same cognitive act. And this provides a foundation that's going to be distinct from Thomas Aquinas's doctrine of the inner light of reason and the potential it yields to arrive at the natural knowledge of God.